the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, beloved. Um, hope you're having a blessed week and a blessed day. Uh, you're listening to Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al Fadi, and it's always a, a blessing, really, to uh, be with you and to uh, have this privilege of serving you and teaching you the Word of God and also enabling you to understand some of the challenges that you will be faced with when you're reaching out to our Muslim, uh, basically, uh, friends, community, and some of them, uh, we need to pray that they are misled, misguided, and they take the words of their prophet, the word of the Quran, the word of their teachers uh, for granted without the ability to compare and contrast. So our job in this show is to always help you and help them as well. So you always feel free to share the links to these shows with them. Uh, I post them all the time on our Facebook, uh, which is uh, uh, Sira International, and uh, also my own personal Facebook, alfadi.sira, C-I-R-A. Uh, either way, you can uh, reach us through the website itself, which is www.sirainternational.com. One word, C-I-R-A, international.com. And you'll find uh, all of the videos that we've done so far. you find all of the archived shows of this particular radio show, Let Us Reason. And if you've been uh, listening to uh, our previous episodes, you would have noticed that we have a fabulous brother, Sam Shimon. And uh, I had him for the last at least two weeks, and he is with us here today and will continue to be with us in future shows, um, uh, revealing basically uh, uh, to all of us some of the fabulous talents and gifting that the Lord has blessed him with, and that's to um, debate uh, the Muslim arguments and help us uh, basically break down and tear down those arguments in a godly and a biblical way. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about the Quran. And the misunderstanding that Muslims have among themselves. Some, some will believe the Quran is eternal, and there is a dilemma in thinking that way. And some will say the Quran is created. That's a minority view. In fact, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that even I'll find anybody uh, lately thinking this way. But even with that, there is another dilemma. And uh, Sam has been talking about how uh, the idea that the Quran is eternal, is inseparable from God, shares the same qualities as Allah himself, how there are stories and sayings in the Quran that are very problematic and reveal really to us that everything is programmed like a computer software. And everything that we read in the Quran is really uh, not necessarily a reaction to things that humans are doing, but rather God already predestined it uh, from uh, uh, eternity past. So, Sam, welcome again, brother. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege and honor to serve you for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and be used by the Spirit to magnify the name of Jesus. So thank you again. 
Absolutely. And just once again, brother, for the benefit of those who are just joining us or even join us before, how can people uh, uh, track uh, basically the things you're doing and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can go to answering-islam.org, also answeringislam.net, the same website, different URL. And they can look at, click on individual authors on the main page, find Sam Shamoon, and I have uh, nearly 200, if not more, articles. I haven't counted, but I know it's over 100 on various topics the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the Holy Spirit, salvation, and criticisms of, criticisms of Islam. I also have a blog called answeringislamblog.wordpress.com, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. All my latest articles, rebuttals, will appear there before they appear on the main site. They go to YouTube, put Sam Shimon, and find my lectures and the shows I've done with David Wood called Jesus or Muhammad. So that's where they can find the material, because there's tons of material. So, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. Well, I'll turn it over to you uh, to uh, uh, basically continue uh, the uh, fantastic argument that you were uh, discussing last week, and you've used the story, for instance, of Zaid and Zainab and the uh, abolition, basically, or the uh, cancellation of adoption in Islam, and how yeah, that yeah. plays into the idea that the Quran is eternal. Yeah, by, by the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm trusting that he'll anoint me and you to speak truth without error and not misrepresent Islam because we serve the God of truth, and he's not honored when we spread falsehood, misinformation, or lies. So may the Lord Jesus protect us from that, by his Spirit, in Jesus' name. I, I was talking about the dilemma of believing the Quran is uncreated, and how this impacts the things you read in the Quran. And again, as I said last in the last show, <clears throat> many Christians may not know this, because of Muhammad's lust for his daughter-in-law, his adopted son's wife, he basically abolished adoption. But that marriage to his adopted son's wife was preordained, predestined as part of the Quran, or mentioned the Quran and was predestined. So Allah in eternity had already predestined. Muhammad would desire a married woman, the wife of his adopted son, resulting in the adopted son divorcing her, so Muhammad could marry her to set an example for other adopted fathers to do likewise with their adopted son's divorced wives. But then he goes ahead and abolishes adoption, so that to this day, Muslims cannot adopt children. So because of this religion, because of the Quran, because of the God of the Quran, there are millions of orphan children who cannot be adopted, who cannot have someone to call father or mother because of what Muhammad did in the Quran. So this is the beauty of Islam. May the Lord Jesus save the Muslims from this religion, and may the Lord Jesus embolden Christians to pray for these Muslims because they have been taken captive by deceiver, and they are oppressed by the lies and deception of this religion. May the Lord have mercy on them. And that's another thing I need to emphasize. Muslims are not your enemies. They've been taken captive by the enemy, and they're oppressed. Women are oppressed. Children are oppressed. They're abused because of this wicked religion. May the Lord save them and use us to save them and pray for them and love on them. Amen. I want to emphasize that. Amen, brother. And the Lord Jesus came to set the captives free. Hallelujah. And that's the thing. It's ironic, right? The God of the Quran hates adoption. The God of the Bible, the God revealed in Christ, loves adoption because he adopts all who turn to Christ to be his sons and daughters forever. Amen. What a contrast, day and night, right? Amen, amen. You know, since we're talking about the Quran and not so much the immorality <clears throat> of the Quran, and maybe, Lord willing, in a future session we can talk about whether Muhammad is a moral example for all mankind at all places and all times, but let's focus just on the problem with the Muslim concept of the unity of Allah. Because Islam boasts that they have the strictest 
form of monotheism among all the monotheistic religions. Because Islam supposedly, <clears throat> I should say the Quran and the teaching of Muhammad, supposedly teach that Allah is a not just a singular being, which we'd agree, but a singular consciousness, a singular person. And we've been challenging that assertion because neither the Quran nor the so-called authentic tradition attributed to Muhammad affirm Unitarianism. Because here you have the Quran that's distinct from Allah, and at the same time, it's inseparable from Allah because it's the speech of Allah, and therefore uncreated, and yet, even though it's uncreated, inseparable from Allah, no Muslim will say it's identical to Allah. The Quran is not Allah, but at the same time, it's not other than Allah, so the Muslim scholars and theologians say. But the Quran is not Allah, and yet it's uncreated, that means you have two uncreated entities in existence. So then how can Muslims boast that Islam teaches Unitarianism when Allah is not the Quran, and yet the Quran is not created, and now you have two uncreated eternal entities existing side by side, because one belongs to the other. So this is what we're trying to challenge, the claim that the Quran and the Hadith of Muhammad teach Unitarianism, commonly referred to as Tawheed. It doesn't. But the problems get worse. Not only is the Quran distinct from Allah, while at the same time inseparable from Allah, being the speech of Allah that became a book, the Quran, not the Quran, I should say, I should say the traditions of Muhammad, which are authoritative for Sunni Muslims, especially if they come from the sound collections called Sahih, right? Even if it's a Hassan Hadith, that's still good enough. According to the traditions attributed to Muhammad, on the day of resurrection, the Quran will actually be speaking to Allah. The Quran will actually be interceding with Allah. The Quran will actually be praying to Allah. The Quran will actually appear in human form on the Day of Judgment in order to intercede and defend the Muslims before Allah. Now let me show you the references before we bring out the logical problems, implications of all that. Here it is. This comes from, this is a narration from Muslim. And by the way, for all these references, do look up my article on Answering Islam. The name of the article is The Quran, A Divine Conscious Being. So just look for the Quran, a divine conscious being. All these narrations are there in the article, so that you don't take my word for it. You can see where I'm quoting from. We even give links to some of these hadiths that are found online, so you can verify and confirm this for yourself. So, this comes from Sahih Muslim, as re recorded in Riyadh al-Salahim. Riyadh al-Salahim records this narration from Imam Muslim, number 991 in English. Abu Umama reported... I heard the message of Allah saying, read the Quran, for it will come as an intercessor for its reciters on the day of resurrection. So notice what Muhammad is reported to have said. Muslims read the Quran, because if you read the Quran, the Quran will come as an intercessor for those who recite it on the day of resurrection. Now, brother, let's assume there's about one billion Muslims who are reciting the Quran, right? Right. That means the Quran will be interceding for one billion Muslims defending these Muslims before Allah on the day of his wrath. Now, this implies the Quran has to be omniscient, because the Quran has to know all of those that have been faithfully reciting it, correct? Correct. So then here you have an omniscient Quran that intercedes. But if it intercedes, that means it's in communion with Allah, right? That's correct. So how can you have Allah's speech speaking with Allah, without this implying that the Quran is a separate, distinct person from Allah. Yeah, that's See the a, problem? That's a dilemma. Okay, now let me give you another hadith. This comes from Jamia Tirmidhi. Jamia Tirmidhi, 
It's number 1963 in the English. Again, all these references are in my article. Narrated by Abdullah ibn Abar. Allah's messenger said, fasting and the cross, not only cross, fasting intercede for a man. And again, maybe in the future session, I can discuss the, the fact of Muhammad believing that everything has consciousness. Everything. And I'm not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. He thought everything has consciousness. Trees have consciousness, which is why you have Hadith, where trees are speaking to Muhammad, bowing to him. Stones speaking to Muhammad. He even believed that the stars had consciousness, and the sun had consciousness, and even fasting has consciousness. For some reason, he thought everything had consciousness and could, be, could speak and be spoken to. We can get into that in a future show, by the grace of God. Fasting in the Quran is just for a man. Fasting says, O oh my Lord, I have kept him away from his food and his passions by day, so accept my intercession for him. So fasting will come alive and speak to Allah, defending those who fasted. Anyway, the Quran says, notice, the Quran says, I have kept him away from sleep by night, so accept my intercession for him. So you have the Quran and fasting together interceding for Muslims, showing the Quran and fasting are conscious entities, living conscious beings that speak to Allah. Wow. But it's going to get a little worse. Are you aware, brother, that according to other narrations, Muhammad believed that even the individual chapters and verses of the Quran intercede for Muslims? Let me read this to you. Go ahead. <clears throat> this comes from Sunan Abu Dawood. Sunan Abu Dawood, Book 6, number 1395. Narrated Abu Huraira. The Prophet said, a surah, a chapter. Now remember, the Quran consists of 114 chapters. A surah of the Quran, containing 30 verses, will intercede for its reader till he will be forgiven. So a chapter that has 30 verses will go before Allah, and they're deceived before Allah on behalf of those who used to recite that chapter until Allah forgives that reciter. And then it tells us what surah. It's surah 67. Blessed is he in whose hand is the sovereignty. So Surah 67, a chapter of the Quran, will actually speak and intercede. Now, the implication here is that not only the Quran can speak, but each individual chapter of the Quran also has consciousness and can speak. This is brought up by another hadith, Sahih Muslim. Sahih Muslim, Book 4, number 1757. Abu Ulama that he heard Allah's Messenger say, watch this, recite. Recite the Quran for on the day of resurrection, it will come as an intercessor for those who recite it. But watch, it's going to get a little better. Recite the two bright ones, Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran. Recite chapter 2 and 3 of the Quran. Al-Baqarah is chapter 2, and Imran is chapter 3. For on the day of resurrection, they will come as two clouds or two shades or two flocks of birds in ranks pleading for those who respect them. Now, did you catch it? Right. It's saying chapter 2 and 3 somehow will be disconnected from the Quran and appear separately from the Quran and separately from each other as either two clouds, so it's going to appear visibly. Notice these are visible forms. Either it's two clouds or two shades or two flocks of birds, and people are going to see the chapters, assume that visible form, and they're going to go ahead of them to Allah to seek for them, for the people. Right? Yep, that's correct. Now, notice this one. Again, from Sahih Muslim, but from Riyadh Salihin, it says this, And Nawaz bin Saman reported, I heard the Messenger of Allah say, 
the Quran and its people who applied it will be brought on the day of resurrection. Preceded with Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran, arguing on behalf of those who applied them. And these are, and these are chapter 2 and 3 for people who are tracking. Yeah, now but notice what it said. It says, when the Quran and the people that recite the Quran are brought on the day of resurrection, Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran will go before them. They'll be ahead of them. And they'll go before them and argue for them. So here you have chapter 2 and 3 speaking and arguing with Allah and going ahead of the Quran and those that recite it. So now how can chapter 2 and 3 be separate from the Quran and go ahead of the Quran and the people that recite the Quran when chapter 2 and 3 are part of the Quran? You see what's happening here? Right, right. All this uh, affirms, all this affirms, and I can give you other narrations, all this affirms that not only does the Quran itself speak, intercede, and argue with Allah on behalf of those that recite it, Individual chapters of the Quran also have consciousness, can also speak, can also argue, which means that you have 114 chapters of the Quran, therefore you have 114 living conscious beings and agents that make up the consciousness of the Quran. And also, uh, uh, if I may add one thing, and I'm sure this isn't the topic we're going to talk about, but... uh, Muhammad is also presented as an intercessor, so it seemed like uh, uh, the God of Islam have multiple intercessors, which, oh, yeah. by, which, by the way, I want to remind my Muslim friends who are listening to this, it sounds like Allah is not willing to take the intercessory of one person anyway. Yeah, I know, exactly. And, but what, what makes it worse for the Muslims is that if the Quran is the speech of Allah, and it's inseparable from Him, that means Allah consists of 115 conscious entities He's composed of 115 living conscious persons, if you don't want to say beings. Why do I say that? Allah is supposedly a living conscious being, right? Right. But so is the Quran, right? Correct. So is each chapter of the Quran. Well, that's 114 chapters. Each chapter is a living conscious being that can speak and be spoken to and can argue with Allah. That means Allah is composed of 115 living conscious cognizant entities that can argue with one another. So Allah has 114 personality arguing with himself. Yeah, yeah, with himself. So if you add him to the 114, that's 115th person. Correct. So, but wait, what's the problem with the Trinity then? <laughs> exactly. Our Trinity is much simpler. Yeah, it's only three distinct persons in perfect and several communion and fellowship. Allah, here it gets a little worse. Remember, Muslims have a problem with God becoming flesh and that Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Correct even though Jesus is the eternal word that became flesh, and yet they have no problem with the eternal word of Allah, his divine speech becoming a book, his divine speech. So Allah's eternal divine speech can become a book, but his eternal divine speech can't become flesh. Why? I don't know. But it gets a little worse for the Muslims. Here's another narration, right, where it says that the Quran will appear as a pale human being, a pale man, not even a woman. And this is narrated by Ahmed and al-Musnad, it's also narrated by Ibn Majah and Al-Sunan, right? And it's classified as Hassan by Al-Busayri. <clears throat> and Al-Bani classifies it as Sahih, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He classifies it as Hassan in his Al-Silsila Al-Sahihah. So this is a sound narration. Absolutely. Narrated by multiple people, right? Once you have Al-Bani there, it's done deal. Oh, yeah. It says that he classed it with Al-Busayri as Hassan. And Albani classed class, class this particular reason, Bakri, in his Al-Silsila Al-Sahihah. 
number 28-29. Now, let me read the narration, because I don't want Muslims to say, oh, this is weak, brother. This is fabricated. You know, this is, this is forged. Well, no, no, it's hasan. It meets the grade of authenticity. It was there that Buraida, Buraida said, I heard the prophet say, watch this. The Quran will meet its companion on the day of resurrection when his grave is open for him. Now, who's the Quran's companion? Anyone who reads it. Correct. So the Quran's going to meet anyone that reads it and recites it when the graves are open and the dead are raised. And the Quran will appear to its companion in the form of a pale man. It will say to him, do you recognize me? He will say, I do not recognize you. It will say, I am your companion, the Quran, who kept you through the hot days and kept you awake at night. Did you catch it? Right. The Quran is going to come to every individual Muslim on the day of resurrection when they come out of their grave and appear to them as a pale man, not a woman, mind you, a pale man, and speak to each individual and say, do you recognize me? No, who are you? I'm basically the Quran, your friend. I've come to help you. I can ask you a question, uh, brother. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay, here's my question. Here's where I'm baffled. If the crowd is going to appear to those that recited it, and you have about one billion Muslims that have recited it, so on the day of resurrection, when these one billion Muslims are raised, the crowd is going to appear to every one of them as a pale man. So the Quran is going to manifest itself in at least one billion different forms, all of which will be pale men. The Quran will appear as one billion pale men to appear to each Muslim simultaneously, because that's the implication of the Sadiq, right? Correct. So not only does the Quran contain 114 chapters, which are 114 constant living persons, beings, entities, whatever term you want to use, the Quran itself will be able to manifest in at least one billion forms, not only forms, but human forms, and not only human forms, pale human forms, because it's going to appear to every Muslim on the day the Muslim is raised from their tomb. And after and that, Muslim, if you can multiply 114 chapters by 1.6 billion, uh, you get the idea. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, I'm not, I had a hard time in math, so I won't even go there. Right? That's correct. So you see the problems, brother? Absolutely. Now, how much time I have? Because there's one final aspect I want to talk about. Do uh, we have a, because I know time is fleeting. Uh, I, I would say uh, we have about, um, you know, maybe three minutes, give or take. Oh, okay. Well, then, then that's it. I'll, I'll end it with this. And more importantly, like I said, we can go on and on and on, even though I intended to also cover what the cross says about the spirit discussion, Lord willing, at the future session, if the Lord confirms we'll do it. But let me leave you with this. Now, here's what's even more shocking. Muslims have a problem with Jesus being God because as a man, as the perfect man, he worshiped the Father as his God. Since Jesus is not the Father, he's distinct from the Father, one with the Father in nature and essence. And since Jesus also became man, a true human being, the Father becomes his God. And they say, well, no, this violates monotheism. Well, guess what, my brother? According to a hadith found in Mishkat al-Masabi, Mishkat al-Masabi, narrated by Darimi. <clears throat> the Quran will pray to Allah and call Allah my Lord. Let me read it to you. Right? Khalid bin Madan said, recite the rescuer. Notice, the Quran is called the rescue, the Savior. So just like Jesus is our Savior, the Quran is the Savior. Recite the rescuer, which is Alif Lamim, descending down. For I've heard that a man who had committed many sins used to recite it and nothing else. 
it spread its wings over him, so it has wings, and said, My Lord, forgive him, for he often used to recite me. So the Lord must, most time made it an intercessor for him and said, Record from a good deed and raise him a degree in every place of sin. Chavis said, It will dispute, in other words, argue, on behalf of the one who recites it, when he is in the grave, saying, Oh God, if I'm a part of thy book, make me an intercessor for him. So here's a part of the cross. Praying to Allah, saying to Allah, My Lord, Ya Allah, Oh God, my Lord, if I'm part of your book, make me an intercessor for him. So this chapter is going to argue with Allah, chapter 32, and call Allah my Lord, and address yep. Allah as Ya Allah. Amen. But wait, I thought the Quran is a part of Allah. It's yep. inseparable from him. Amen. So how can then this speech call Allah my Lord and Allah? What's going on here? Absolutely, brother. And this is where probably we're going to end and we're going to pick it up uh, from this point next time. And I promise uh, my listeners that Sam will be back for multiple shows. Brother, thank you so much for your awesome work. Thank you for your time. And to all of you, may you have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.